Welcome back to the Bible Brush Up podcast. Today we are continuing our stroll through the book of Psalms and looking at many of the ways that the people of God in the Old Testament expressed their viewpoints about God and they would praise him and they would lament before him. They would sing songs that described his great attributes so that the world would know who God is. And we've entered a fascinating portion of the Psalms over the last week or two. And I'm wanting to look quickly at Psalm 117, which is the shortest chapter in the Bible. You get to this, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. And it says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Laud him, all peoples. For his loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Now, what's interesting about this particular psalm is that it does not provide us with anything unique. It doesn't bring a new contribution to the attributes of God. It's not lamenting a new specific circumstance in the life of David or any other psalmist. This is somewhat mundane when you compare it to the rest of the psalms. And so when you get to this particular chapter, you may ask the question, well, what was the point? Why include this? There are many psalms that point out that we should praise the Lord. There are many psalms that call on all nations to praise the Lord. There are many psalms that express the greatness of God's loving kindness and his everlasting truth. And if it brings no new contribution, if it's repetitive, then why would it find its way in the inspired text of Scripture? And I think one of the reasons that perhaps this psalm is incorporated here uh, is that it emphasizes these truths without diluting it with other truths. Uh, It allows people to sing or chant this particular psalm and focus purely and solely upon these few descriptions of God without stretching the theological mind and bending it too much. Um, Sometimes we cram too much on our plate and we can't enjoy each individual a morsel that we partake of on a particular meal because there's just too much going on. Uh, in ice cream, I feel this way all the time. My kids will go into one of these ice cream parlors where you can put all the toppings you want, and they'll put everything. They'll put some Heath bar, some M&Ms, some gummy bears, uh, some chocolate sauce, some strawberry sauce, some caramel, and hot fudge, and whipped cream. You know, they put it all, and even gumballs and stuff like that. And I used to be like that myself, but I've kind of learned that less is more sometimes if you want to actually enjoy flavor. You get too many flavors competing with one another, and you can't focus in on the richness of the caramel or the richness of the peanut butter, whatever it may be that uh, whets your appetite. And perhaps that's one of the reasons that short psalms and long psalms exist together in the book of Psalms is because there may be an occasion where you really want to focus in on God's loving kindness, his everlasting truth, and the global and universal application of those attributes um, before the people uh, of earth. And so this could be one reason why we have a psalm like this. Another thing we need to remember is that this was an oral community. And not everybody read, not everybody had access to writings, even if they had the privilege of knowing how to read. And so having something short like this was probably very beneficial, especially for young children and for those just being introduced to uh, Judaism and to who God is. So this could have been an, an introduction to uh, wor- godly worship. It uh, would have been very beneficial for that. It would have been hard 
to go to Psalm 119 to a new believer and say, hey, you're one of us now. Let's sing this song. Psalm 119 just happens to be the longest chapter in the Bible. So you have Psalm 117, which is the shortest chapter in the Bible, and you have Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible. And the reason it's the longest chapter in the Bible is because they do use a literary device in order to make it more memorable, since it is an oral culture. They would not have had access to this. They would have memorized the entire thing, and that seems really bizarre to us because I could probably spend the next four years trying to memorize Psalm 119 and never get it done, but we're not an oral culture either. We depend on writing. We depend on things to be available to us to go back, and if we weren't an or or if we weren't a literary culture and were an oral culture, we would find it more easy to memorize. And we probably wouldn't cram so much in either. That's one of the benefits of being a literary culture is we can take on more and more and more and more, uh, whereas they would have limited their exposure to a few writings, the Bible, the Torah, um, and maybe some of the closely associated writings that uh, they came to love. But Nonetheless, when you get to Psalm 119, it is using a literary device that starts with Aleph. You'll notice that written in your Bible, most likely, Aleph. And you may not know what Aleph means. And then you see Beth. Uh, and you may not know what Bet means, or Beth, if you would have pronounced it that way, looking at it like a name. And then Daleth, and then He, and then Vav, and then Zayin. And what you will find out, if you do a little research, is that these are the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And they are breaking this entire chapter up into the specific letter divisions of the Hebrew alphabet because in the original language, each one of these passages, each one of these paragraphs, if you want to call it, or each one of these sections begins with the letter that it is uh, under as a subheading. And... Aleph would be equivalent to, if we could just say A, uh, and it would be something like A is for Almighty God, dot, dot, dot. B is for Blessed is God, dot, dot, dot. C is for Count the Ways, God is Holy, and so on and so forth. But these are sort of an acrostic uh, that helps people remember what exactly this psalm says. And that device helps an oral community to be able to recall the uh, information in Psalm 119 more easily. And so we've got Psalm 117 that would be easy because it's short. Psalm 119, which becomes uh, probably difficult, but more readily um, memorable through this literary device. And then in the middle of them is Psalm 118, and I don't know if you've heard this or not, and I've never verified this by counting all the chapters, but it certainly seems like it could be true. Uh, if you just open your Bible to the middle of your Bible, you'll be somewhere in the vicinity of Psalm 118. And it's been said that Psalm 118 is the very center of the Bible, and Psalm 118.8 being the very center verse of the Bible, which says it's better to trust in God than in man. Some people have made a big deal out of that. I wouldn't make a big deal out of that because the arrangement of our Bible is not the arrangement that it was uh, in Jesus's day. It's not the arrangement that it was in the early church. Our Bible has changed its... Um, uh, composition. It used to be that the Old Testament ended with the book of Second Chronicles, not with the book of Malachi. And so these shifts and changes would change where the center is. However, it is kind of neat that Psalm 117 is the shortest, Psalm 119 is the longest, and Psalm 118 is currently in 
the very middle of our scripture. And so just some interesting tidbits and facts that you can use on your next trivia night. Uh, but I do want to move on beyond this to the next section, which is uh, quite a lengthy section. You have several chapters ahead of you that are referred to as songs of ascent. And these became very important in Jewish festivals and celebrations, and especially any time that the Jewish people would go to Jerusalem. It's probably one of the reasons they're called Psalms of Ascent, because they are ascending the hill of Jerusalem, Mount Zion. And as they walk up the side of Mount Zion, they are singing these songs. Many of them are about Israel and about um, God's holy place in Jerusalem. They may reference Zion. They may reference the tabernacle or temple. Um, they may reference the priesthood and the sacrifices that are being made. But as Israel began to view Jerusalem as an important sacred space, they would begin to craft songs that emphasized Jerusalem and emphasized the place of holiness, where they believed heaven and earth intersected, where God would meet with his people, where God would bring deliverance and salvation when opposing enemies would come in on them and threaten them in their existence. And so as you read through these, you might uh, see some corresponding ideas to Jerusalem and to Zion being the deliverance and salvation of the people of God. And many of these Psalms are going to carry over into our New Testament theology about who Jesus is and who, what the church is and what the significance of God's presence is for God's people. And so keep that in mind as you read through these several chapters as we make our way towards the end of the book of Psalms. And we'll stop there for today. We'll pick it up next time on the Bible Crush Up podcast.